This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is Rebecca and Tara, and we are here with the twin our 20. 23 wrap up for our reading year. Can you believe a whole year has flown by? Oh my gosh, I cannot. First, happy holidays. And yes. wow, when I was getting ready for our episode today, it was really fun looking because I keep like a physical log of the books I read. Hmm. And it was fun going back from like January to right now and seeing everything that I've read. But yeah, what a year. year. Yeah, yeah, but I I just do it through uh, what is it called? Goodreads, Goodreads? and Storygraph. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super fun. So before we get into our reading year, like twenty twenty three, what mm-hmm. are you currently reading? I am currently sort of reading three books, mm-hmm. and I wanted to sort of mention them just because one of them, the one I'm most actively reading, is Denison Avenue, which is one of the Canada Reads long list books. Yep. Right? Yeah. Because shortlist hasn't come out yet. I'm like, yep. my brain is kind of frozen <laughs> here. But yeah, anyway, I started reading that one. I put in all the books and I requested that they get purchased through ebooks and they did. They bought them like instantly. I could really? not believe it. Really? The it library was awesome. did. Wow. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. Because if you put a tag on, like on Libby, if you, uh, there's this like thing that, has like a notification that says, if your library purchases this, you know, blah, 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 yeah. you can be notified. And I think, well, what, well, I shouldn't say I think, I know libraries keep track of that. And if they see people are requesting books, then they will purchase them because people have actively uh, requested them. So if there is a book that you want and your library does not carry it, put in a request for it. They almost, all libraries want that because obviously if you're going to read it, check it out and take it home or whatever, they're going to purchase it, right? So anyway, yeah. so I got Denison Avenue first. I'm reading that one. I'm really enjoying it. And it's kind of interesting because it said it was sort of like a, a it's a, a fictional story, but then there's this ink art. I'm not, mm-hmm. I know I'm not pronouncing, saying it correctly, whatever it's called, but ink, ink, pen and ink art or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever it is. And it's interesting because I guess it's all at the back of the book where it's literally the drawings of the community in which the story is set. And it's kind of the Kensington Market area in Toronto yep. and Chinatown in that area. And I'm really enjoying it. It's actually a really good book. So there's yeah. that one. Okay. And then I have one I want to mention too because uh, it is called Dearborn. And Dearborn is a city in Michigan. And... It is the largest, I think it's the largest Arab American community uh, in the U.S. or something like that. Oh. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. So anyway, it says here, spanning several decades, Ghassan Z- Zinedine's debut collection examines the diverse range and complexities of the Arab American community in Dearborn, Michigan, in 10 tragic comic stories. And so it's a collection of short stories, and it just sounds really fabulous. And it's, I, I had it on a hold, an uh, e-copy, and then I kept saying, I kept deferring it and letting the next person check it out. And finally, I was like, for crying out loud, this has been months. Like, just check the damn book out. Well, yeah. of course, then Canada Reads Long List came out, and then I mm-hmm. kind of, you know, set me off, but a little bit. And then the other, the last one I'm reading, which I talked about before, is Skid Dogs, which oh, is that yes. memoir set in um, BC, I think it is about this young girl that is murdered and this woman who wrote the memoir is sort of talking about that's the area she grew up in and she's kind of talking about that effect on this very, very tiny community. So those three are the things I'm kind of currently reading. Yeah. Are you enjoying Skid Dogs? Yeah. As I started it, I yes, I got a little further into it and then I, again, long list came out, so it kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit. Yeah. But I was so fascinated that I had to look up the actual crime that was committed. So I kind of know the story about what happened. And it was really a community. I think it's something like 5,000 people. And this young woman was murdered. And it, yeah, that just the, that, that part of the story is interesting Mm -hmm. outside of the book. I don't know how much detail she'll go into in the memoir, but, um, 
but yes, I was definitely enjoying it. And and it's funny too because it was on CBC did a list of like the top say 25 books or something nonfiction books of 2023 or something like you know some list mm-hmm. and Skid Dogs was on it. So yeah, you've put it on my radar. I'm really um, excited to read that one actually in the future in 2024. Yeah. So what are you currently reading? Okay. So I finished one book this morning and that was Study in Obedience by Sarah Bernstein. So the book that won the Giller this this year, 2023. Oh, okay. What a complicated relationship. (laughs) I sound so dramatic right now. (laughs) Really complicated relationship with this book because it is, so it's a short book. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. because I did not love the writing style. Mm. So it's the the main character is the narrator and you only hear from her and it's first person. She's telling her story but it's in really long sentences with mm-hmm. lots of clauses and commas oh. and very like kind of disjointed now a couple of times towards the end I finally clued in and I read a few pages out loud and then it flows a little better because Mm -hmm. I then you're getting what's in her head is coming out at a more at a better uh, rate like Mm -hmm. a cadence but you can't always do that when you're reading you can't just be like read your book out loud depending on where you are so I Mm -hmm. did not love uh, the writing style the reading experience However, I did not want to not read it. Like I, I was, I was engrossed in the story, and I wanted to know what happened. And I, so I finished it this morning, and I kind of went, "Huh." And then about five minutes later, because it's a kind of book that just kind of sticks with you, because you're like not really sure what happened and what didn't happen, and all this. And about five minutes later, I kind of went, "Geez, that was like." really kind of good. I think I really enjoyed that book. And then about 10 minutes later, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That was a really good book. And I get why it won the Giller. Whereas like halfway through the book, I was like, why did this win the Giller? And so (laughs) it was a really, yeah. So like I said, complicated, but I'm glad I read it. And at the same time, I don't know if I would really recommend it to everyone mm. to read. Yeah. Right? Well, this will be interesting because you will read all the uh, mm-hmm. longlist Giller books. Yeah. So I'll I'll be curious at the end of the time that it takes you to because you'll usually finish it well like in September. Yeah, usually by the next finish, yeah. the long list, yeah. I really look forward to what you will say at that point when you've read them all and then if you think it still should have won the Giller versus yeah. something else you might have predicted or m- might have preferred win the Giller, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was really very weird experience. Like I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I end up enjoying it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Good. But I've seen like some, you know, different reviews of it. So I wasn't expecting a lot, but I enjoyed it. Okay. But because of the weird reading experience I felt the need yesterday at one point to just pick up a cozy mystery just to balance it so that yeah. in the evening my brain could like just read a story and not have to really think about what I was reading so the other one that I am currently reading is called Peril in Pink by Sydney Lee and that comes out I think in March so I got like a an arc of that and that'll be published later in or well earlier in the new year and that's just a fun cozy mystery yeah yeah nice yeah well those are really good i mean i'm excited that you finished that one the the one that won the giller yeah and like i said i cannot wait till well i don't want to rush the year away but i'll look forward to september ish and hearing what you think about it at that point yeah yep me too i'll revisit it at that point okay okay so what was your reading year? What was 2023 like for you, Rebecca? Yeah, I've talked about this so much all year. I feel bad for anyone who has heard me say this a million times, but I went through a kind of a really horrible reading slump after Canada Reads. Like I got all the books nailed, you know, really quickly. I knocked them all out and mm-hmm. was so happy. I got them all finished pretty early. 
And then I don't know, I just hit this really weird slump. And then I've said this before too, you know, we had some family challenges this past year uh, that were, that were really, you know, tough. And so my head was just not in the game. So what I did is I read a lot of, I don't want to say lighter stuff, but it's lighter for me because I really didn't want to read a lot of angsty stuff. Yeah. So I read, you know, some fantasy and I, I was thinking about that one. Oh, now I'm not going to remember um, the one about the mountain lion. Yes. You know that one. Open yes. was it open throat or something yes. like open that? Throat. I feel like yep. that's yeah. That's it. And I read that, which was really unusual because that was the reading experience in that one was very different and unique. The way it was written, mm-hmm. uh, because it was the lion, the mountain lion that was narrating the story, and so I read a lot of really interesting things that I normally wouldn't pick up, I think, for the most part. And that's really how I, number one, got out of my slump. And I also will say too, and I kind of feel like this gets kind of a, oh, kind of a bad rap in a way, but I read actually a lot of graphic novels. Yeah. And I read great graphic novels. Like I read Mouse, which I had never Mm -hmm. read before. The one that's one of the most banned books in the history of the US, I think. And and uh, that was just an incredible experience and a, a bunch of others that I, I either can't remember or won't go into in a big way. But yeah, that's really kind of how I managed to read some totally different kinds of things, but mm-hmm. that it helped me get out of my slump and helped me kind of have a what I thought was a pretty good, solid reading year. Yeah. And now like I, I feel like your focus for... Canada Reads for 2024 is like renewed, like you're ready to tackle this long list as well. Yes. I, and I, and I have so many books, so many literary fiction titles that I want to read that I've been watching everyone else read all year long, but that I just knew my head wasn't in the game and I just knew I had to wait and I'm really looking forward to it. Our good friend, Jen, I swear that woman reads the most amazing things and I can't read everything she reads because she has a stronger constitution than I have. I think because (laughs) I think I would just be like, I think I'd be in the down on the dumps or something. Like, I think I guess I'm emotionally uh, unable to have that much challenge in my reading for literary fiction, but she reads so many things that I think sound fascinating Mm -hmm. and fabulous. I want to read them. So yeah. So I've got quite a long list for next year, I think. Awesome. Well, I found, so this year I joined Storygraph as a way to log my reading as well digitally, Mm -hmm. or I guess online, as opposed to Goodreads. And I love Storygraph because it's right in the word there, graph. You get all these, this data. I flipping love the data. And there's a pie chart. And according to the pie chart, I really love this. I, my fiction, nonfiction split for the year was 70-30 which I thought was pretty pretty good. Actually, I'm pretty happy with that split because I do like reading fiction more than nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Or I should say I read or I buy more fiction. But I think like a 30% nonfiction rate is actually pretty good as well because I love it. Okay, guess what? What? I also do Storygraph. Yes. And because I was able to, about midway through this year, I think I was able to, you can actually... Uh, download all of your data or upload mm-hmm. it from uh, Goodreads and put it right. into Storygraph. So I did that. Yep. And my reading this year was 70% fiction, 30% nonfiction. No way. Yes. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I know, isn't it? Yeah. And I love nonfiction so much. And I think that's, it's so it's interesting that I've read so little nonfiction this year. Oh, see, see now for me, I think like 30% is a pretty solid number. Because historically, I don't read a lot of nonfiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the last couple of years, I've really like upped my game for nonfiction. So I'm like, wow, 30%. I'm pretty happy with that. I'll have to go back and look and see what my percentage was last year because I feel yeah. like I read a lot of nonfiction. I know this year I yeah. did not. Yeah. Because we sort of discovered about, I think when we did a halfway mark for the year, I realized I had only read like three or four. Yeah. You know, nonfiction titles, but yeah, I normally would read a lot more. So I just, but anyway, that when you said 70, 30, I was like, oh my God, that's what I did. That's, let me know when you uh, find out what your 
percentage is what the split is for last year. Because yeah. I agree, you read less nonfiction this year than you yeah. have in the past mm -hmm. year since that I've known you. So interesting. Okay. What else about your stats? Because I'm going to see, okay. I, I have mine written down too, but I'm going to see how mine compare with yours. So, Well, I, I also realized this is not so much stats, but I realized how much I enjoy memoirs. Like when I, because it also, they show you that little bar graph of the, mm -hmm. of, you know, how many mysteries you read, how many literary fiction, you know, what genres you like. And mm -hmm. my memoir is right in, not the top one, but it's in, I would say the top three or four is mm -hmm. genre. Oh, yes. Number three for memoirs. And I was like, oh, wow. I, I'm like, actually, I really do like a memoir. So this year was the year for me for really like embracing the memoir and realizing mm -hmm. how much I enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was your number? Because I have my number one through four listed. What is okay. your number one? Literary. Okay. Well, that yep. makes a lot of sense. You read a, yeah. so much Canlit. So, okay, yep. got it. And, and then, then two mystery. was... Mystery. Was two. Okay. Yep. And then three was memoir. Mm -hmm. Four was thriller, which I'm kind of surprised about. Oh. I don't, didn't think I read a lot of thriller, to be honest. And then... It's hard to, it's hard to know how they tag. I mean, how they yeah. tag those things, though. So, I, yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. I would have said, yes, the mystery I agree with, but thriller. I'm like, I don't read a lot of thriller. Anyways, uh, fifth was historical. Again, surprised because I didn't think I read a lot of historical. Mm -hmm. And then the next one after that, well, after the two after that are LGBTQIA plus and horror kind of tied for six. Yeah, I don't think horror made my list at all, but yeah. What do yeah. You like? So mine, my number one was graphic novels, was which oh, was not a yeah. surprise at all. I yep. read so many. And I also, I started out the year, I read the um, Heartstopper series, that five, yep. I think it's five or six novels that I think she's published some since then, but yep. uh, they were, you know, I didn't really care for, I love the TV show, but I didn't really yeah. care for the graphic novel as much because it is really, I think it's written almost for like a tween age, mm -hmm. I not I even teens necessarily. Yeah. So, but I read them because, you know, I like the series and I wanted to read the books. So, yeah. but anyway, so my number one was graphic novels, two mm -hmm. was memoir, three was LGBTQIA plus, okay. yeah. literary was fourth. And then it was, it's kind of weird because it says history and then his historical. So I thought, oh, well, how are those different? I don't get it, but yeah. yeah. So those were my categories. Interesting. Yeah. Now, what about your, what's the other part of the pie that shows you like the type, like the subject sort of, you know what I mean? Oh, let's what see. Was yours? Did you can... look yours up? Because uh... I just copied down the two bigger pieces of the pie. You mean the fiction versus, nope. Uh, nope, it's the one. I'm trying to pull it up. Okay, everybody, sorry, we're yeah. <laughs> you're playing with story graph. But if you go to pie chart, it's like the yeah. first, yeah, the very first thing where it says moods. Oh, that's moods. right, moods. Yes. Yeah. So my biggest ones for that are emotional, reflective, mysterious, dark, and tense. Okay. I'm a very dark person. I gotta. Okay, so mine would be emotional and reflective. Yep. And then informative. Mm. I think it's the color. Yeah, informative because like yeah. a purple. And then black is dark. Yeah. Okay. And then the brown, which is the next one, is mysterious. So that was okay, like. Okay, we're fun pretty one. close then. Yeah. We're pretty close. Anyway, yeah. so we are pretty close, but yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So overall, how did you feel about your year of reading? Really good, actually. Mm -hmm. I felt like I, yep, I had a really good year um, looking through like just the ones as I rated them for myself. I had mostly, I guess, four to five star reads with a couple of mediocre books thrown in there mm -hmm. and um, six DNS. Actually, I counted those. Yeah. Oh Which is a lot for me, actually. That's gosh. a lot. Yep. Oh my gosh. What? You and I have flipped this because I only had three. <laughs> See? I know. I read this. I'm like six. Usually I have two like yeah. maximum a year. Yeah. No, six. So I had two, uh, which I don't remember the titles, but I was in this, I, I was in this online group that was reading like, 
is uh muslim books or islam mm-hmm. is oh arab no arab arab arabic books kind of yep. but and they were like translations and things like that and i ended up getting two of them and i read like i don't know maybe i know i got 50 pages into both of them one a little further and i just did not like them and i didn't finish those two i dnf'd and i donated them to my library but yep. the one the the one that i didn't read i did not i dnf the sleeping porter is that that's what it's called? Right. The sleeping porter? Yeah. Sleeping car porter, one. right? Sleeping car porter. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So what did you DNF? Do you, do you know what you DNF'd this year? I know I DNF'd a couple of ones from last year's, the 2022 Giller long list. Oh, that's right. Yeah. At least two or three there. Um, one, oh, that I DNF'd was just a few weeks ago, actually. It was a, one of my Christmas books. I can't remember what the mm -hmm. title was, but it was just, uh, wasn't doing it for me. It was too, I realized probably the second week of December that I like my Christmas books with a little darkness. And I think I threw (laughs) in. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm thinking about your horror, Christmas horror stuff. (laughs) Yep. It's totally it. I was like, so I did, I, I did read like three holidays and a wedding at the beginning of December, which I loved. And then I had another like romance or two thrown in there, like Christmas romance. Mm -hmm. And I got halfway, not even halfway through one. And I was like, I just don't care. Mm -hmm. Just I, I, even that was too much of that genre in one month for me, like in that, a short period of time. And I moved on to murder mysteries (laughs) and horror, which I (laughs) loved. I read just before Christmas day, like, a new horror book that I'd actually picked up post our holiday Christmas uh, episode that we recorded. And Mm -hmm. I devoured that one. And that one was grim and gross and graphic. And that was just like, that was my cup of tea. I want to borrow that one. Okay. Don't forget. I want to borrow that one. Yeah. Just to see see what the heck it is. Yeah. Oh, so good. So that was one of my DNFs, and I can't remember what the other ones were off the top of my head. I think most of them were from last year's long long list for the Giller. I wasn't totally thrilled with the list last year. Yeah. Now, would you go back, since you just kind of weren't in the mood for the, the Christmas romance one, mm-hmm. is that something you would maybe save and read another time? because, Or did you just not care for that particular book? Or do you think it's just that you weren't in the mood? Like, would you go back and pick that one up? I don't think I'm going to go back and pick it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to keep it here at the moment. So who knows? Maybe next November, December, mm-hmm. I may grab it. But I don't really have intentions to at the moment. Okay. But yeah, so that was my year. It was a pretty good year. Now, I have a question. Are we going yeah. to, I am going to rank my, yes. are we going to do that, rank our best reads this year okay Were you thinking so of that? i did not rank them mine i have chronologically oh that would be a tough one to rank i will kind of think about it as we're going yeah i kind of ranked mine yeah yeah i will think about it and maybe, maybe by the end i might be able to give you a top three okay of the uh so i am bringing 10 just to warn everyone and i did because I like symmetry, I did mine in the 70-30 split, fiction to nonfiction. Well, listen to you oh, being no, all I'm so fancy. Like, graphical. I know. I'm I just really saying that because symmetry. it's Tory Graph. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so mine will be a little different than yours, and you're ranking yours, but that's okay. That's Yeah. Yeah. I know, because I want to. I want the drum roll when I announce my favorite book of the year. Yes. Now, how are you going to then, are you going to... Because you're bringing five, I think you said, right? And are you going to go from fifth to first then? Yeah, I'm going to go. Yes, I'm going to go. No, yeah, I'm going to go start with my fifth favorite book this year. Okay. And I mean, I could have gone 10, but I just just did five because I kind of looked at the list and then thought, you know, I'm not going to, you know... um, because then it starts to get a little confusing for me because then I can't yeah. quite remember how I really felt about something or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm going to tell you my, can I go first? Of course. Okay. So I, my fifth favorite book this year, which you have not read yet, but I, I hope that you read it. And I don't, and again, 
whenever I say this for all, so this is my disclaimer to everyone out in the world. As we all know, somebody can love a book so much and somebody else will read it and be like, eh, and that's cool. That's cool. But I'm just telling you my favorite five. So my number five is Cravings by Garnett Kilberg Cohen, which is that book of short stories that I loved so much and said at the time that I've never read a collection of short stories where every single story was so interesting, compelling, and I wanted it to continue in a whole a whole novel. I love that book. And again, we will be inter or I I'm not sure if I will be or we will be interviewing her after the first of the year at some point. I need to get that scheduled. But mm-hmm. I love that collection of short stories. Yeah. I've never read anything that made me just I mean, I bought a copy. I uh I know I'm gonna reread it. I loved it yeah. so much. So that's my number five. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you want me to go? Or you want to go back and forth, or you want to just keep going? I'll keep going because then yeah. I'm going to sit back and listen to your ten. Yeah. I'm looking forward I to like that. that. I want okay. you to continue. Cool. So my number four is my favorite Canadian nonfiction writer, Adam oh. Schultz. Where the Falcon Flies. <laughs> I should <laughs> I have this one actually. <laughs> I know because again, I just want to say if you have not read Adam Schultz yet. Read this one first, because I do think when I talked to him, and I think he and I actually talked about this off, like I interviewed him, but then we talked about this afterwards. Um, we talked a lot afterwards. And uh, he said, yeah, probably it's his most accessible because there is that whole like urban component to it. So it's not mm-hmm. just the, all the, you know, adventure exploration stuff that he does, but it's really, you know, he's, he's in all those places along the St. Lawrence, well, the the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence, and then he's meeting up with people. And it's just so fascinating. And the history that he talks about, just really, really interesting. I think, again, if you've, if you've read something by him and maybe weren't as keen on it, or if you haven't read anything yet, I personally would start with Where the Falcon Flies. It's absolutely word for word was fabulous to me and it's yeah. but it's also my number one favorite kind of nonfiction. so yeah yeah okay my number three gets lumped in all together but i just want to say i read three richard wagami's books this mm. year and i love richard wagami's so much that i yeah. wish i had known him when he was alive i wish i had been reading his stuff all these years i wish i you know i still can go back and look at all the interviews and you know the youtube things and all that stuff. And I will be because there's something about his writing that speaks to my heart just so deeply. And I just cannot get enough of Richard Wagami. So I have a lot to read in the, you know, in the next few years. He has, I think I want to say maybe 15 books or something like that. Could be more, but yeah, that's like the number that's in my head. I have like 15 or 16 stuck in my head too. So yeah. So he does have a good like library for you to to yeah. continue to read from. So and I knew you would for, love him. Yeah. And for the and the fact that I read the first book, Keeper and Me and loved it so much, like I felt like he started so strong with the first book he wrote. It was so incredible that I thought it blows me away because not everybody has a long career and then you can go back and look at the first book and go, this was really mm-hmm. amazing. I don't think that always happens. So yeah. So he comes in at number three just because I read three of his books, yep. love them all. And yes, yes, yes. Loved him. Now, my number two is Greenwood by Michael Christie, because I loved this book. As most of you know, although I have to laugh, Sarah, our good friend, Sarah, I was talking about to uh, with her one day about, I don't like to read long books. And then she pointed out the long books I've read and I started laughing. She goes, Greenwood. And I was thinking about it and I thought that was the deal. It was a long book. But I remember, I think I read it like in two or three days or something because I could not get enough of it. Once I started it, I was in, I was there in that, in every time period, I was there with those people. I just felt that book spoke to me in so many different ways. Absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, yeah, Greenwood was number two. Yep. Yep. Makes so, sense. Drum roll. So, drum roll. And I don't know if you will have guessed what my number one is, but are you sitting down? I am. It is Ted Kennedy, A Life. No. John A. Farrell. Yes. (laughs) I'm I'm serious. 
What I'm is dead. hilarious is I was thinking after she says her number one, I'm going to go, what? It's not Ted Kennedy? <laughs> it is Ted Kennedy. Okay. I just want to say, and I probably said this so many times through the process of however many months it took me to read it, but I just want to say two things as are my wrap up, which is John A. Farrell is a phenomenal writer. And he wrote uh, a book about Richard Nixon, which I'm definitely going to read because I was a real nerdy kid and, you know, I was really in, I'm not kidding you. I had like a Watergate bulletin board. I know it's kind of weird. I had photographs like from the newspaper of all the key players from Watergate on my bulletin board. And I remember, um, I would have, I think I would have been like, let's see, when was it? 72 or three, I would have been 13 or 14, something like that. Yeah, (laughs) I think I know 13, something like that. Yeah. But I was so fascinated. And to this day, I remember when John Dean testified, like he, I really remember most beyond everybody else really. But, but but partly it was because back in the day, like when you were off from school, you know, all that would play all day were those stupid soap mm-hmm. operas and they were all not airing them because it was all the Watergate hearings. True. So I kind of grew up like watching them or spent that summer yeah. watching them. But anyway, so, so John A. Farrell, I think is a really compelling writer. He makes nonfiction just jump off the page. And I have said before, I felt like every word he wrote, I read every single word. And the biggest issue is for me, because I was such a political junkie at such a young age, reading Ted Kennedy's memoir or his biography brought my childhood back to me. Like I knew all of the key players. I knew what had been going on at that time. Like it just mm-hmm. reminded me of when politics was kind of exciting and fun in a way where you could, you know, one minute you're a villain, but the next minute you're co-signing a bill with somebody. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, he showed how they worked across the aisle with each other. And I look at young people today and I think, boy, we really gave you a bad deal on all of this because you're not going to have those memories. Your memories are going to more be anger and frustration. Whereas mm-hmm. with me, I was able to read this and about all these people and just brought back so many memories of my childhood in a weird, yes, kind of nerdy way. But that is why I would have never said in a hundred million years how much I was going to love this book, but it's my number one read of 2023. Wow. Yeah. I would not have guessed that one actually. <laughs> no, nope. And probably nobody else ever will say that, but nope. It was my number one. That is funny. <laughs> I'm such a weird kid. I was a weird uh, kid, I admit. So it's you all were good, lovable. Yeah. That's all yeah. good. No. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, yeah. And even in that, so in your top five, you had two nonfiction. Yeah, exactly. And that's why. And and it's for such a year where I didn't read as much as I normally would. Uh, yeah, the two two other five were, yeah, yeah, were nonfiction. There you go. Very cool. Very Thank cool. You. Okay, now here's the real drum roll because you got 10. I got Let's 10. So I'm sorry, Ooh. people. I won't give like a really long description of each. But so I went back. You get to, you get to, it's your, oh. it's your show. You get to do whatever you I want. Think, I'll give like yes. a little snippet. And I think all except for perhaps the last one I have discussed on the show or like I've brought them to the show before. Mm-hmm. But okay, so let's start with number one. Uh, Again, but these are not in um, ranked order. Yeah, Yeah. not in ranked order, but more chronological from the beginning of the year moving towards the end. And my first one is a nonfiction, and it is The Woman They Could Not Silence by Kate Moore. Mm -hmm. So this one was about the, uh, in 1860s U.S., I can't remember which state, uh, the woman Elizabeth Packard, whose husband has her institutionalized Mm -hmm. because she's just not behaving the way that he thinks a woman should and how she spent a huge portion of her life just trying to get out of the asylum and get back to her family, to her children, because they had at least five, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love this book. She became like a feminist hero for me. I adored this book. And I want to read more that this author has written. But yeah. So, and I think you would love this book too. Mm-hmm. Although you're going to get really one. angry. You're going to get really angry, but I think you're also going to love it. Okay. 
So that's my first one. I'm sorry, I'm going to get myself a little organized here too. Give me one second, Rebecca. So if I mm -hmm. need notes, I can refer to my book. Okay. My second one is a collection of short stories. So we have another little crossover there between us. And it is Brown Girls by Daphne Palazzi Andreatis. And I read this. It was nominated. It was long listed for the Carol Shields 2023 prize this mm -hmm. year. So I read that and I loved this one. A collection of short no, was it? No, I don't actually I take that back. I'm sorry. It was not a short story collection. It was a novel, but um the way it was written, I found it was a very unique style. It almost had like a chorus effect. You know, if you've ever read any oh, yeah. um ancient Greek drama, how there was always like a chorus in the background that was uh, reinforcing the story or giving you like play by play or something like this. And it had kind of that effect to it as you followed a group of women, women of color in the Bronx as they went from like teenagers to adulthood. It, and I loved this book. It was really beautiful book. That one so sounds good too. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I re highly recommend that one. That one was a great one that I would not have found if it hadn't been on the Carol Shields prize because I haven't seen it elsewhere. So, which is a shame because it's, great I need book. to pay attention to that one. Yeah. That, that prize more. Yeah. I know yeah. it's brand new, but yeah. Yes. I, last year was just the first year. I'm interested. I think last year they announced their long list in March, April, like springtime. So I'm interested oh, okay. to see what comes out on the list this year. Cause that is, so, Oh, go ahead. You know, no, I was going to say, so maybe what we should do is like a podcast about that yeah. prize when the long list comes out or something yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know what? It's very apropos for the podcast because it is for Canadian and American oh, women and non-binary right. writers. So mm -hmm. it like crosses the border, brings them cool. together. Yeah. So it's a really cool one. Uh, book three is one that you have read and that you recommended to me, Ooh. and that is The Trees by Percival Everett. Oh, I love that book so much. <laughs> me too. Me too. Because I, when I was choosing my books, because I have read a lot of really good books, but I wanted to choose some that I loved for like traditional reasons that I love. Like I have this emotional attachment to the book or I love how it's written and sometimes mm -hmm. I just wanted a book that struck me in a different way um, and The Trees by Percival Everett was because I was so cheering for a group of people to be killed yep by Same someone here. else yeah and so uh, very quickly the synopsis if I can remember I won't be able to remember it really detailed. So please back me up here, uh, Rebecca, mm -hmm. if I need it. Um, basically, white people are being killed, and then the bodies of black people are being found next to them. And the bodies are already dead. And kind of getting into rooms where there's no way for them to have gotten in or out of. So no one knows how these white people are getting killed by these black people. Do, I, do we want to mention what it's sort of based around? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Emmett Till, who was this young uh, African-American boy who I think was like 12 to 14 years old. Yeah. He was living in Chicago with his family. He went down to Money, Mississippi and to visit family. And they claim he made a pass at a white woman, which I'm pretty sure he didn't. And he is murdered. And his mother fought to have an open casket so that people could see how beaten his body was and everything. And it was actually one of the triggers to the civil rights movement. Like when she, which I said, that is the most brave thing a mother could have done. Like what an amazing thing. Yeah. Because she wanted people to understand how her son suffered. And that was one of the triggers for the civil rights movement. So the book is brilliant i mean yes. even if you didn't know the history you would still love the book but the yeah. history makes it that much better yeah and it's funny it's which is oh, yeah. really weird Absolutely. to say but it is a very <laughs> funny book like he is a brilliant writer and it's got this like really dark humor to it mm -hmm. so that you are laughing at these men being castrated yep. and also cheering <laughs> it on at the same time like it's Plus, one of the things I thought was really funny was I, I can't remember 
if he, I think some of the names were made up, but even the names of the the white crackers, I would call them crackers, but anyway, the white people, the racist white people, some of the names were just to me hilarious. Some of them are yeah. real names, but some of them are just really hilarious. So I love that part of it as well. That was really yeah. funny to me. And yeah. by the way, Percival Everett, I thought to myself, oh, I've never heard of him. And I went and looked at his, you know, body of work yeah. and it's ridiculously long. Like the man Prolific. has written. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And yeah. he's a professor, I think. It, I yeah. don't remember what university, but yeah. So I don't, I definitely want to read more by him because I just think he's, he just made that story come alive. It was so funny. It was so wonderful. Yeah, I agree. We should, um, we should do a buddy read of one of his books. In yeah, 2024. let's do that. I'm writing that. Yeah. yeah, I'm writing that down for 2024. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay, cool. Okay. So moving on to number, this would be one, two, three, four. Number four is Okay, I go dark again here. And this is The Echo Man by Sam Holland. So this was a debut by a UK author. It is a mystery. Oh, thriller. It is mm -hmm. dark and it is gruesome. And it's one of those books. I read it in the summer and I just like, uh, I devoured it literally like, and then I was the first in a series and I immediately went to the library and I got the second in the series. Oh, it's a series? And, yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh. So then I, I've read the, the second in the series. And I think on Instagram, I had posted it on Instagram. And she had mentioned something, how she's already started the third or something like this. So Ooh. I am just, if you're looking for just a really, because I, I really like British authors. The UK authors really know how to do like crime fiction thrillers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes check this out. It is very graphic in nature. So a la Val McDermott, it's not, you know, if you are a highly sensitive person, you may want to stay away from it. But if you want a wild ride, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I did. Okay. I, I, did you not talk about it on the podcast? I don't remember you talking about it, but. Oh, did maybe you? I didn't. I know I posted it, but maybe I didn't bring it to the podcast. I don't think you did. So yeah, yeah. that one looked too scary for me, but would you say it's along the lines of a vet, that Val McDermott, that first yes. book or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I could read it then maybe, maybe. And even the second book of the series was called the 20, I believe that was the name of it. And that one, I am very squeamish around needles. Mm -hmm. That one had a lot of needles <laughs> stuff in it, uh, such that I did skip over some wow. paragraphs, like passages. I was like, I cannot read that. But I read the book. The book's That's amazing. Interesting. Yeah. She's great. She's dark. Oh, so good. Okay. I'm going to take like a less dark turn now and okay. go return to nonfiction. Although, oh, then this is a dark nonfiction as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a really optimistic person in life. You are. But I read a lot of yes. dark stuff. Um, so this is Message in a Bottle, Ocean Dispatches from a Seabird Biologist by Holly Hogan. Yeah. So why I call this one dark. So it is also beautiful because Holly Hogan is a marine biologist from Newfoundland. And for part of the book, she describes these research cruises that she's gone on all over the world doing uh, research on seabirds. And I love birds, so I loved that. Uh, when I was in university, I was fortunate to be able to go on a couple of research cruises just on the Great Lakes, but I love them. So there's also that connection for me of being on a ship and doing research in the open water, which I loved, and her descriptions, and she was, she's been all over the world on these research cruises. So I loved that part of the book. That's lovely and beautiful. The dark part of the book comes when that the message in the bottle is all about the amount of plastic that's in our oceans and the effect that it's having on the seabirds, on the mammals, sea mammals, the fish, everything. That's, that's a, much more difficult part of the book to read but an important part to read as well it's you know we all need a good swift wake-up call so yeah yeah but it's a good balance of the book and that she tells it like it is like gives you great descriptions of what the situation is but there's hope 
she leaves you with hope in the sense that there's towards the end, there's a whole chapter that is like about the different scientists throughout the world world and what they are doing with their research to help remediate the issue of plastic in the ocean. Good. Yeah. We need hope. We do need hope. Mm -hmm. Right. But that was one of my favorites. Next, I'm moving on to Fane by Anne-Marie MacDonald. So a Canadian author from Nova Scotia. And Fane is a big honker of a book, a historical fiction set in, I would think it's the 1800s, in the border between Scotland and England. Uh, A young girl who, who is being raised there by just her father and the housekeeper. And she has been told by her father that she can't leave the manor. They live on the, uh, is it the Fens, right? Is that the yeah the term in Scotland? And that she can't leave because of her health issues. It's dangerous for her to leave the house. But something happens that she, uh, she does leave and she does learn of a family secret that affected both her mother and her baby brother who died, her mother died while giving birth to her baby brother, I believe. And then he died at a, just slowly after that, or was it an older brother? I can't remember. But anyways, family secrets with her mother and her brother who are both dead uh, that involve her. And it is this like sweeping drama that brings up issues of non-binary people, transgender people. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. Yeah. This is also, I just looked it up because I remember when you read this one, but 736 pages, it says. So it's a honker. (laughs) It's a honker. It's a big one, but it kind of, it flows really Mm -hmm. well. Like, uh, because Amory McDonald is a brilliant writer as well. So you don't feel like you're trudging through this one at all. Mm-hmm. And her characters, I remember when I started the book, I think the main character, I can't remember her name now, but she's maybe 12 or 13. And you know, it's like late 1800s and you're these characters are always depicted as being very like precocious and you know, you just you're like, oh, "I'm not going to like her." And I think within 5 pages I'm like, "I love her. She's amazing." Mm-hmm. You know, like the the characters were great, complicated, but it it just it's a yeah, it's a great book. Have you read anything else by her? I was just curious. Mm-hmm. I've read. Oh my goodness, what's her big? Oh, the there's the way the crow flies, but before that, oh, fall on your knees was her fall really big. Oh, one. that's yes. I thought I feel like I remember that you talking about that. I think. Yeah. So she is like an auto buy for me now. I haven't read all of her books, but I uh, pick them up. Now, she's also many years in between books, too. She doesn't put one out every two years. But if you're writing 700-page books, you know, that's going to yeah. take a while. Yeah. And, yeah, and our friend Jolene, she uh, really – I think she just mentioned this recently on a pot, or on one of her YouTube uh, episodes – or I could have read it somewhere, but anyway, how much she loves Anne Marie McDonald. I think it's yes. one of her. She's one of her favorite authors yes. as well. Because she also, I think, recently Jolene recently read one of her uh, older books, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I haven't re- read that one myself, but thank you for the reminder because I'm like, oh, that's one I got to pick up sometime. Hmm. So I'm just yeah, I'm just kind of looking through her her um, titles here. It's interesting. Yeah, I think you would enjoy her. Yeah, I definitely want to add one of her books to my list of books. I Canadian authors, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay, book number seven will not be uh, a shock to you. Okay. It is Care of, Letters, Connection, mm-hmm. and Cures by Ivan Coyote. Yeah. Which I think at the time that I read this book, I was like, hands down, one of my favorite books ever. Not just of the year, but ever. And I was, I'm going to be like a one person mission to like have everyone read this book because I, I loved this book. Yeah, yeah. I love this book. Even on um, before Canada Reads announced the long list, they put posted it on Instagram like, hey, what books would you love to see? And I'm like, <laughs> this one, this is what I would love to see. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just, I love this book. She, uh, they, 
beautiful. Yeah. And it would have been a great book for the theme of resilience. Yes. yes. That Yeah. That would have been a really good one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ivan Coyote is just such a genuine writer and honest and compassionate and passionate uh, and sorry, patient, like just, it's beautiful. It's just a mm-hmm. beautiful book. I will read anything they write. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number eight, a history of burning by Janica Oza. Um, I'm bringing this one because I really enjoyed it. I think it should have made the Giller list in 2023. I was kind of shocked that it wasn't there to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I I just would like it to get a little more attention. So this is the one I'm going to quickly look this up so I can give an accurate little synopsis of it. If you don't mind. It's a gorgeous cover. I'm looking at it. It's beautiful cover. Gorgeous cover. And the writing, this is also a um, debut novel as well. So as the writing is stellar. So here we go. An exhilarating and profoundly moving epic novel spanning India, Uganda, England, and Canada about how one act of survival reverberates across four generations of a family and their search for a place of their own. It's just, it's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, starts with the Purbai, a teenage boy looking for work in East Africa, and he finds it on the railway, but he is uh, kidnapped by the British and taken to East Africa, sorry, to work on the railway. And from there, it just, his story and the story of his family just kind of snowballs, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Heartbreaking. Sad. But I was disappointed not to see that one on the Giller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was Um, it, yeah, because... yeah. Oh, yeah, it was published this year. So mm-hmm. it could still, is the Giller for the year, like, is there a time frame for the, does it have to be a book of that particular year? Yes, I think okay. published before sometime in October. Okay. If so I this one came out in May 23. So it could not yeah. make the 24 list then, right? I don't they... think so. I don't Got think it. Okay. so. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, it is too bad. It is too bad. Because it's, um, one that I remember there was some buzz about it when it was first published, but then, you know, that buzz kind of dies down and I don't think it got enough attention more. It should have gotten more attention mm-hmm. than it actually did. It deserved it. And the Giller would have helped with that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, number nine will be no surprise. And it is the Boulevard by Jared Edson. <laughs> So I've brought this one to the podcast. In addition, we did an interview with Jared. Uh, This one is Van Gogh, Ernest Hemingway, and Satan in hell preparing for a visit from God. And you get the story of how Satan is responsible for Vincent Van Gogh being in hell. And uh, yeah, it had everything I loved in a book. Isn't that amazing, too, because yep. that's uh, through a program with our good friend Halle Goddery. Mm-hmm. She's a publicist, and that was a book that came to both of us as an arc or something, I think, in I can't remember if it was an arc specifically or not. But think about it. You may not have ever found that book no, if know. it hadn't been for these small Canadian presses. Thank God yeah. for them. Yes. That are publishing amazing work by Canadian authors. But amazing. We just yeah, that we just don't, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. You know, you they do the best they can, but uh, yeah. yeah, thank goodness for small presses. Yeah. Well, this one will only, I'll use this point to show something else for my reading life this past uh, year is the small presses. Like the, that because of Halle and the program that she has going on, I've been introduced to a lot more independent publishers and therefore more independent or small Canadian authors that mm-hmm. I never would have seen otherwise. And I've read some amazing books. Like every book that she has recommended to me has been a winner. So, yeah. And so what we'll do is I will definitely add Halle's, uh, her Instagram account 
for, you know, uh, on the show notes, because I totally agree with you. These are some books that I would just have never, they would have never been on my radar. And in fact, what was the one? Now I'm trying to remember the one. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. What's the one I just read? Um, about the brick, uh, the brickworks. Oh yeah, the brick I works. loved the brickworks, yeah. and again that came through Holly's program, and I would have never, ever probably found that book, and I loved it so yeah. much. So yes, yeah. Uh, so you can find Holly on Instagram at River Street Writes, I believe, is the their Instagram handle. Okay, and I I de- I will include that in the show notes yeah. as well. Yeah, for because sure. she has some great recommendations. Mm-hmm. her books yeah and she and she published they publish a lot of like poetry she mm-hmm. uh, is a publicist for a lot of poets it's, she herself is obviously a poet and as well as a, a memoirist but uh yeah definitely take a look at her account and look at what they're what she's promoting because boy i'll tell you great great yeah. small press canadian authors are coming through to us that way yeah okay And now finally, I'm so sorry. Thank you for all being so patient. My final book of the year, but I'm going to put that this, this was in, it might be my favorite. It's probably in the top three, at least anyways. Okay. I have to rank. And I just finished it like two weeks ago. So it has not been brought to the podcast before now. I know. So it's a new one. And it is The Cure for Drowning by Logan Paler. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this one is, I've received an ARC, an advanced reader's copy from NetGalley. So I've read the digital copy. It's not going to be published until uh, mid to late January. So not that far away, within like the next month or so. And wowzers, did I love this book so much. It is a historical fiction. So Logan Paler is a Canadian author. This is their first book, their first novel. So the book is a historical fiction set in southern Ontario, begin, begins at the beginning of 19, the 1930s, uh, with a touch of magic realism, which I think is a really interesting blend that I wasn't sure was going to work, but it totally does. So the story starts off, and I'm not spoiling because this is in your first three pages, uh, that Kit, who is, I think, believe 10 at the time, is out in the woods in the wintertime with her two brothers and she falls in the river and drowns. Kit's mother is able to revive them, but Kit is no longer the same person that they were before they fell in the Mm. river. Yes. As Kit grows, as we get to watch them through their adolescence, Kit is rambunctious a daredevil she gender bending like it's just kit's an awesome person and then in their teenage years uh rebecca moves to her town and between kit rebecca and kit's older brother landon there is a triangle of sorts uh develops eventually world war ii hits which rips this triangle apart, rips the three of them apart, and they eventually come back together. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to give a little bit of setup. I will say that uh, Paler writes with alternating POVs between Rebecca and Kit, and it works really well to get both of their stories kind of going at the same time. And then at some point in the novel, they bring the stories together and it is just like explosive and it's just very cool. The narrative is explosive, but Paler's writing mirrors what's happening in the, in the narrative. If I can, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say this cause I don't want to give you any spoilers for the book. Cause I just mm-hmm. really loved this book so much, but yeah. And you get, Oh, I didn't say the little bit of magic realism is, well, I did hint at it that, Kit's mom revives them after the drowning uh, using some Celtic magic. And it happens, it's sprinkled a little bit throughout the book. So just a little so that it's it's there, 
but it's not in your face. Yeah. I don't know if I've done the book wow. justice, but yeah, it's it's just beautiful. It's you, nineteen uh, thirty. So you have World War Two is happening. So we also get Kit goes off to work to the uh, in the Air Force, joins the Air Force as Christopher. So you get like some of the World War Two, and I'm always not always a. I don't read a lot of World War Two books because I feel like there's. There are a lot of World War II books, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I loved Paler's take on it, like getting a non-binary character's experience mm-hmm. in World War II. Yeah, right? that one sounds. Yeah, that one sounds yeah. really. I was kind of looking too at it uh, as well while you were describing it, and that does look really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the historical fiction aspect of a non-binary story Mm -hmm. because you then get the sense that it's not like non-binary people just bloomed into existence 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, that their stories have always been there, but we're finally getting them. You know what I mean? Like I think by grounding it in the past, Mm -hmm. you're going, it, it lends more to the fact that, non-binary people have always existed yeah yeah absolutely and they just we just didn't they they didn't tell their stories or they were not able to tell their stories so absolutely yeah but this was this is one of my favorites soon as I finished it I was like yep another Mm -hmm. favorite yeah I loved it uh okay well that is yeah you had an amazing yeah you had an amazing year and I did. I had a good reading year. Yeah. yeah. So can I just mention really quick, just since you, um, cause I just, because of the magic realism thing, I just want to mention, oh. I just, just, uh, I did just read the future by Catherine LaRue. Oh yes. And it was translated by, I'm afraid I do not know her name. I apologize. Oh, Susan Oreo, Oreo, Oreo. I'm not sure how to pronounce I think that. That's, yeah. Anyway. And I just finished it, and that's on the Canada Reads long list, and it had some magic realism in it as well, which I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you're reading along, and you th- kind of think it's speculative fiction, and then you're reading along, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so it's it's it, I don't read a lot of magic realism, so it was just kind of an interesting thing for me to discover it because I again I don't like to read a lot about a book before I read it mm-hmm. so it was a little bit of a surprise so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that that book also had that element in it and um did you like the magic realism in it yeah I I do and I you know I'm you know the whole th- trying to introduce more fantasy and different type of genre into my reading uh it's not like i not wanted to read magic realism. I just don't think I've been drawn to those books necessarily. Uh, But I did, I did enjoy it. I will talk more about the book. I think when we do our, I don't even know what our schedule is for our next book chat. I'll save it for that because by then I'll have Denison Avenue read as well. And I can kind of talk a little bit about both of those books. And I'm not sure if I'll have another, like a third book done from the long list by the time we do that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of leave that as a cliffhanger because I do have, I do have a lot to say about the future. And I, when I did my Instagram post, I kept it very uh, bland because I thought, you know, if you read it and I spoil, not that I expect to spoil it because I, yeah. I try really hard not to put spoilers in, but I thought, no, I'd rather be able to say to somebody, if you do not want to hear at all about the, fo- the future from my perspective, stop now. <laughs> and then that way they don't have to hear what I have to say about it. Good, yeah. bad, or indifferent. Um, I, but I do have an opinion about the book. It was, it was interesting. Mm. I'm okay. glad I read it. I'm definitely glad I read it. Okay, good. I shall should have have it read by the time we discuss it. Cool. On that episode. Oh, good. I yeah. yeah I'm look forward to you getting your uh, opinion about that book as well. So. So I did want to mention that in January we wanted to have kind of like a book discussion kind of thing with some of you who follow us. I did hear from a number of people who might be interested in doing that. And kind of what we were thinking, because 
you will be getting this podcast on December 31st. So it is New Year's Eve when you get this. Uh, but what we'll do, we were kind of thinking, what was it? Google, was it Google Meets or whatever? I think whatever so. That... I think it was Google Meets, was it? Yeah. yeah. So that way it's free. And if somebody mm-hmm. wants to sign up, they can contact me directly and we can send them a link or I'd need email, I guess, to, to set it up or whatever. But we thought the great this is a great opportunity for our listeners who they can tell us what they are reading. Yeah. Because you hear from us all the time and we would love to know what you're reading because of course who doesn't love recommendations and mm-hmm. hear other people talk passionately about the things they loved or maybe didn't care for. As well as we might even have a discussion possibly about the Canada Reads shortlist. So if you'd like to be oh, involved yeah. in that, please let us know. Uh, again, I will tell you what my email address is. So if you made it all the way to the end of this podcast, uh, my email address is ed, as in dog, I-N-A-916 at Gmail. So it's Adina916 at Gmail. If you email me, I will... Make sure that you are uh, on the list for people that will contact to say, hey, we're going to do this on this day and time. If you want to join us, let us know. But again, it's just, it's free. You don't even have to pay anything. You can just join us. And if you can, great. And if you can't, just try, you know, maybe we're thinking about doing it monthly. You can join us on another month and uh, just join when you want to. And even if there's two or three of you, that'd be great. If there's more, that's great too. Whatever, right? Yeah. Exactly. We just want to hear about books. That's all we want to do. Talk about books. Yeah. Yep. And so I think, Rebecca, congratulations on a great reading year. Well, thank you. Yours was a little bumpy, but you know, you end up having a great reading year. Overall, I did. And you had a phenomenal reading year. I did. I did. Yep. I'm very happy with my reading year. And now I'm looking forward to, we're soon going to be discussing with you our reading goals for 2024. So that will be in our next episode. And I have to tell you, I started working on this like a Mm -hmm. couple of months ago. Mm. And wait till you hear what I'm going to do. I have a very, what I think is a very, well, I mean, it's not that great. It's just books. But still, it's like a really cool thing I'm going to do that's a little different that I'm going to approach. And yes, so I have a a goal for 24 that I'm excited to talk about. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear. Okay, so regardless of whatever text I send you, ignore me. Do not tell me. I will not. No. It's locked down. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Okay, we will talk to you all then. And happy reading. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.